Hi, I'm Alex. Welcome to Reading Poorly. Before we begin, I will give my disclaimer. This book is about slavery. Slavery involved bad things happening to people. I have not marked this book, any of the chapters, as explicit. Because though bad things might happen in some of the chapters, and not all of them have... And though there is occasionally some language, most of which would not be removed from network television, particularly on Sweeps Week, um, I feel like any excess intensity um, is something that should not necessarily be barred uh, from people. Uh, with the use of an explicit tag. It's not presented gratuitously, not by me and not by the author. Uh, So, yeah, I have not marked it as explicit, but I would say that listener discretion is advised. And if you want to recommend this to people, probably listen to it first. (laughs) It has made me mad. I want it to make you mad and uncomfortable makes me uncomfortable. I want it to make you uncomfortable. Um, so, yeah, with that out of the way, before we get to the chapter, I realized something since taping, the taping, since recording the last episode, it occurred to me that this podcast is basically a let's play of a guy reading instead of playing a video game. For those of you who don't know, um, Let's Play is a genre of video uh, that has gotten popular in recent years, and it's literally just someone's playing a video game, and they're talking about it while they do it. (laughs) Um, Generally, you do see the game itself, so this is audio only. Uh, Sometimes you see a webcam view of the, the person as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is, this is an audio only let's read, I guess. If I'd thought of that a few years ago, that would have been the name of the podcast. (laughs) Let's read. (laughs) Just like let's play. Um, well, that might've been the name of the podcast. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, sometimes they play well. Sometimes they play horribly. Just like sometimes I read well, sometimes I read horribly. And they often comment about things. Um, I will say I probably will not scream into the microphone and jump and all that. Uh, Granted, maybe at some point I will end up reading a horror book. I have read some horror. Hey, it's coming up. We're in October now. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure I can say that a jump scare is something that's likely to happen on this uh, on this podcast. So, if you have suggestions for things for me to read for my Halloween special, I will not necessarily do every special every year, um, partly because there's so many options, right, uh, for special days, holidays. Um, there's a podcast that dropped today. Um, apparently, the day that I'm recording this, which is, in this case, just a few days ahead of when it drops, um, is International Podcast Day. 
I don't know if it's a day for international podcasts or if it's an international celebration of podcasting, but um, I found that out from, imagine this, another podcast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, one of the podcasts I listen to at, at every episode ends with one of the one of the guys saying happy something day and it's like national shih tzu day i don't know why shih tzu is the dog breed that came to mind but um or national well international podcast day or national or you know international national international podcast day um or you know international women's day or something like that uh, and <laughs> so um I don't know. Should I call out the pot? Sure, I will. Behind the sins. It's a uh, part of the sin cast or sin cast. Part of the cinema sins media universe. It's uh, people who are not the main people who do cinema sins stuff. They're like the not the people who are the face of cinnamon's cinnamon cinema sins stuff. Um, though they more they are now more than they used to be because of the podcast. But, um, anyway, they they call themselves the B team. Um, they're all a team in my book now. I don't know. But, um, okay. Anyway, I need to get on. I don't know how long it's been. I don't really watch a timer while I, while I do this. So I'm, I'm sure it hasn't been an hour, but I'm not sure it hasn't been five minutes. So <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> okay. Let's read. How about that? Um, 12 Years a Slave. Chapter 17. The year 1850, down to which time I have now arrived, omitting many occurrences uninteresting to the reader, okay, uh, was an unlikely year for my, com unlucky year for my companion Wiley, the husband of Phoebe whose taciturn and retiring nature has thus far kept him in the background. Notwithstanding, Wiley uh, seldom opened his mouth and revolved um, in his obscure and unpretending orbit without a grumble. Nevertheless, the warm elements of sociality were strong in the bosom of that silent woo. Okay, remember how I mentioned language? Uh, you know what word I'm skipping? The one that would not be on network television. At least the one that's been prominent in this book that would not be on network television. And the exuberance of his self-reliance, disregarding the philosophy of Uncle Abram, and setting the counsels of Aunt Phoebe utterly at naught. He had the foolhardiness to um, essay a nocturnal visit to a neighboring cabin without a pass. So attractive was the society in which he found himself that Wiley took uh, little note of the passing hours, and the light began to break in the east before he was aware. Uh, speeding homeward as fast as he could run, he hoped to reach the quarters before the horn would sound, but unhappily he was spied on the way by a company of patrollers. Oh no. How it is in other dark places of slavery I do not know, but on Bayou Boeuf there is an organization of patrollers, neighborhood watch, as they are styled, um, whose business it is to seize and whip any slaves they may find wandering uh, from the plantation, yeah, and especially since he was in a hurry. He probably wasn't paying close enough attention. Uh, they ride on horseback, headed by a captain, armed and accompanied by dogs. 
they have the right, either by law or by general consent, to inflict discretionary chastisement upon the black man caught beyond the boundaries of his master's estate without a pass, and even to shoot him if he attempts to escape. Okay, so I knew that it was going to be, um, you know, an extreme form of chastisement, but I still chuckled because the... <laughs> um, just the discretionary chastisement made me think that they're, they're going to be like, Hey, slave, nerd, or something like that. They're going to chastise him for being out and just, you know, like just be general petty bullies or something as opposed to, you know, abusive and violent and stuff. They probably did that occasionally, but I have a feeling it was not the average encounter. Each company had a certain distance to ride up and down the bayou. They are compensated by the planters, who contribute in proportion to the number of slaves they own. The clatter of their hoofs horses dashing by can be heard at all hours of the night, and frequently they may be seen driving a slave before them, or leading him by a rope fastened around his neck to his owner's plantation. Wiley fled before one of these companies, thinking he would reach his cabin before they could overtake him. But one of their dogs, a great ravenous hound, uh, says griped him. But I have a feeling it's meant to be pronounced gripped him, because there's only one P. Um, gripped him by the leg and held him fast. Have I mentioned contronyms? Just in case I have. Um, I'm going to be brief. Contronym is sort of like um, a synonym, you know, two words that mean the same thing, antonyms, two words that have opposite meanings. A contronym is one word that has contradictory meanings. Perfect example is fast. Both moving quickly and not able to move at all. <laughs> the patrollers whipped him severely and brought him a prisoner to Epps. From, how do they know who each person belongs to? I mean, maybe... The area is small enough that everyone knows everyone. I have a feeling they're not branded. Because, you know, they can change hands. But um, uh, From him, Epps, he received another flagellation, still more severe, so that the cuts of the lash and the bites of the dog rendered him sore, stiff, and miserable insomuch he was scarcely able to move. It was impossible in such a state to keep up his row, and consequently there was not an hour in the day but Wiley felt the sting of his master's rawhide on his raw and bleeding back. Yes, very counterproductive to ensure that your slave cannot work because <laughs> you are inflicting punishment on them, pain on them. Um, his sufferings became... Did I skip... Uh, nope. His sufferings became intolerable, and finally he resolved to run away. Without disclosing his intentions to run away, even to his wife Phoebe, the or he proceeded to make arrangements for carrying his plan into execution. Having cooked his whole week's allowance, he cautiously left the cabin on a Sunday night, after the inmates of the quarters were asleep. When the horn sounded in the morning, Wiley did not make his appearance. Search was made for him in the cabins, in the corn crib, in the cotton house, and every nook and corner of the premises. Each of us was examined, touching every 
or touching any knowledge we might have that could throw light upon his sudden disappearance or present whereabouts. Apps raved and stormed, and mounting his horse galloped to neighboring plantations, making inquiries in all directions. The search was fruitless. Nothing whatever was elicited. Going to show what had become of the missing man. The dogs were led to the swamp, but were unable to strike his trail. They would circle away through the forest, their noses to the ground, but invariably returned in a short time to spot from to the spot from whence they started. Wiley had escaped, and so secretly and cautiously as to elude the baffle all er, elude and baffle all pursuit. Days and even weeks passed away, and nothing could be heard of him. Um, Epps did nothing but curse and swear. <laughs> That's basically all he does anyway, right? It's interesting that it's drawing a distinction between cursing and swearing. Nowadays, those are kind of considered the same thing. Synonyms, if you will. Though it does remind me of the episode of South Park, where they said a specific word that I won't say because it's not in the book right now, and I have no need to say it, and I should make this explicit if I say it gratuitously. Um... I th- want to say they said it 127 times in the episode. There was literally a counter where they said it. But um, the fact that the people were saying it so much ended up um, causing a curse to happen. Like, the word was cursed. Uh, and if people said it too much, then it was like like dragons or something came out from the underworld and started attacking everybody. <laughs> it, it was pretty funny. Um, okay. Have I talked about South Park on this before? I did. I um I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, I've not kept up with it. But um, when it first came out, I was I was young, and um, a bunch of my friends liked it, and I just did not get it. I did not understand it. It made no sense to me. Um, it it wasn't funny. It didn't mean anything. And then in college, I happened to, it happened to be on in between a couple of things I liked, and I just was too lazy to get up and turn off the TV or whatever, and I didn't have a remote for my TV. Um, so I watched some of it kind of in the background, um, and then I got it. And I understood like the meta-commentary that it was making. <laughs> um, such as that episode about swearing and cursing um and about how it with that one it's kind of like how arbitrary it is that we have words that that people have chosen to be the bad words um and yeah yeah no like people do not say the bad words including the ones uh <laughs> the the ones in here that I try not to say um that they don't say them without the meaning behind them. So like there is meaning behind them and and they say them because there's meaning behind them. But you know, there didn't used to be uh, for all of them. Not every swear word started as an expletive and you can say like, you know, Oh, carrots and have that be an expletive and have it really be just as inappropriate as saying something else uh, that would get censored. (laughs) Um, also why I stopped watching the show Caprica, because they used the word frack, which is from Battlestar Galactica, as a crutch, a writing crutch, and it really annoyed me, because people said it all the time. 
Okay, moving on. It was the only topic of conversation among us when alone. We indulged in a great deal of speculation in regard to him. One suggestion he... Uh, one suggesting he might have been drowned in some bayou inasmuch as he was a poor swimmer. Another, that perhaps he might have been devoured by alligators or stung by the venomous moccasin, the water moccasin, whose bite is certain and sudden death. Um, the warm and hearty sympathies of us all, however, were with poor Wiley, wherever he might be. Many an earnest prayer ascended from the lips of Uncle Abram, beseeching safely, uh, safety for the wanderer. In about three weeks, when all hope of ever seeing him again was dismissed, to our surprise, he one day appeared among us. On leaving the plantation, he informed us it was his intention to make his way back to South Carolina. That's a long ways away. To the old, <laughs> through a lot of dangerous ground, to the old quarters of Master Buford. Uh, during the day, he remained secreted, sometimes in the branches of a tree, and at night pressed forward through the swamps. Finally, one morning... Just at dawn, he reached the shore of Red River. While standing on the bank, uh, considering how he could cross it, a white man accosted him and demanded a pass. Without one, and evidently a runaway, he was taken to Alexandria, the shire town of the parish of Rapidus. Rep I'm pretty sure I've read that before, and I don't remember how I said it. And confined in prison. It happened several days after that. Uh, Joseph B. Roberts, uncle of Mistress Epps, was in Alexandria and going into the jail. And It happened several days after uh, Joseph B. Roberts, uncle of Mrs. Epps, was in Alexandria and going into the jail recognized him. I'm trying to figure out how to inflect that so the sentence made sense. Wiley had worked on his plantation when Epps resided at Huff Power paying the jail fee and writing him a pass underneath which was a note to Epps requesting him not to whip him upon, or not to whip him on his return Wiley was sent back to Bayou Boeuf it was the hope that hung upon this request and which Roberts assured him would be respected by his master that sustained him as he approached the house the request however as may be readily supposed was not entirely or was entirely disregarded of course. After being kept in suspense three days, Wiley was stripped and compelled to endure one of those inhuman floggings to which the poor slave is so often subjected. It was the first and last attempt of Wiley to run away. The long scars upon his back, which he will carry with him to the grave, perpetually reminded him of the dangers of such a step. There was not a day throughout the ten years I belonged to Epps that I did not consult with myself upon the prospect of escape. I laid many plans, which at the time I considered excellent ones, but one after the other they were all abandoned. No man who has never been placed in such a situation can comprehend the thousand obstacles thrown in the way of the flying slave. Every white man's hand is raised against him. The patrollers are watching for him. The hounds are ready to follow on his track, and the nature of the country is such as renders it impossible to pass through it with any safety. I thought, however, that the time might come, perhaps, when I should be running through the swamps again. It kind of reminds me of the, you know, the question people have. Well, if it was really so bad, why didn't they try to get away? I'll read this part again. Well, part of it. 
Um, no man who has never been placed in such a situation can comprehend the thousand obstacles thrown in the way of the flying slave. Moving on. I concluded in that case to be prepared for Epps's dogs should they pursue me. He possessed several, one of which was a notorious slave hunter, okay, and the most fierce and savage of his breed. While out hunting the coon or the possum, I never allowed an opportunity to escape when alone, or, yeah, of whipping them severely. What? While out hunting the coon or the... Uh, or the possum, I never allowed an opportunity to escape uh, when alone of whipping them. Okay, yeah, I think I said it right. It just didn't it didn't come off my tongue the way I wanted it to sound. <laughs> in this manner, I succeeded at length in subduing them completely. They feared me, obeying my voice at once when others had no control over them, whatever. Had they followed and overtaken me, I doubt... Uh, I doubt not they would have shrank from attacking me. Good strategy. Notwithstanding the certainty of being captured, the woods and swamps are, nevertheless, continually filled with runaways. Many of them, when sick, or so worn out as to be unable to perform their tasks, escape into the swamps, willing to suffer the punishment inflicted for such offenses in order to obtain a day or two of rest. While I belonged to Ford, I was unwittingly the means of disclosing the hiding place of six or eight who had taken up their residence in the, quote, Great Pine Woods. I don't know why that's quoted. Adam Tatum, uh, not spelled like Channing Tatum, but um, frequently, uh, though I believe Channing Tatum is from Louisiana, I could be wrong about that, but frequently sent me from the mills over to the opening after provisions. Over to the, yeah, over to the opening after provisions. Okay. The whole distance was then um, a thick pine forest. About 10 o'clock of a beautiful moonlit night, or moonlight night, while walking along the Texas road, returning to the mills, carrying a dressed pig in a bag swung over my shoulder, I heard footsteps behind me and turning around, beheld two black men in the dress of slaves approached beheld to yep yeah. um oh approaching at a rapid pace okay uh when within a short distance one of them raised a club as if intending to strike me the other snatched at the bag i managed to dodge them both and seizing a pine knot hurled it with such force against the head of one of them that he was prostrated apparently senseless to the ground just then, two more made their appearance from one side of the road. Before they could grapple me, however, I succeeded in passing them and taking to my heels, fl uh, oh, uh, fled much affrighted towards the mills. When Adam was informed of the adventure, he hastened straight away to the Indian village, and rousing Cascala and several of his tribe, started in pursuit of the highwaymen. I accompanied them to the scene of the attack when we discovered a puddle of blood in the road uh, where the man whom I had smitten with the pine knot had fallen. After searching carefully uh, through the woods a long time, one of Cascala's men discovered a smoke uh, curling up through the branches of several prostrate pines whose tops had fallen together. The rendezvous was cautiously surrounded and all of them taken prisoners. They had escaped from a plantation in the vicinity of uh, Lamori. Le 
yeah, L-A-M-O-U-R-I-E, Lamori, and had been secreted there three weeks. They had no evil design upon me except to frighten me out of my pig. Having observed me passing towards Fords just at nightfall, and suspecting the nature of my errand, they had followed me, seen me butcher and press the porker, or, and dress the porker. <laughs> I still like that he called it a porker. And start my return. They had been pinched for food and were driven to this extremity by necessity. Adam conveyed them to the parish jail, where liber and was liberally rewarded. Not unfrequently, the runaway loses his life in the attempt to escape. Epps's premises were bounded on one side by Carey's, a very extensive sugar plantation. He cultivates annually at least 1,500 acres of cane, manufacturing 22 or 2,300 hogsheads of sugar, um, a hogshead and a half being the usual yield of an acre. I don't remember if I've mentioned this, but I've said that a lot today. Um, I do not know what an acre is. No one has ever shown me, despite my attempts at finding out, no one has ever shown me, like, that thing is an acre. <laughs> so I don't have a clue. I know that a typical residential plot is smaller than an acre, and a typical farm is many acres. <laughs> But I don't know what an acre is. I don't know, you know, if my nearby school sits on an acre. There's actually a couple schools uh, near me. I don't know if a park in the town is an acre. <laughs> I don't know if, you know, m maybe those are all too big. Maybe, you know, one of the larger residential uh, plots in my town is an acre. I don't know. I don't have any idea. I know farmers. <laughs> I have lived in very rural areas. Not n not me living in like a farmhouse away from town, but you know, in towns surrounded by corn or wheat or sorghum <laughs> or whatever. Um I have lived in places where people could tell me what an acre is, but no one has, despite me asking. So I don't know. <laughs> and it bothers me, clearly. Okay, besides this, he also cultivates five or six hundred acres of co er, corn and cotton. He owned last year 153 field hands, uh, besides nearly as many children, and yearly hires... <laughs> Um, and yearly hires a drove during the busy season from this side of the Mississippi. One of his Negro drivers, a pleasant, intelligent boy, was named Augustus. During the holidays, and occasionally while at work in adjoining fields, I had an opportunity of making his acquaintance, which eventually ripened into a warm and mutual attachment. Summer before last, he was so unfortunate as to incur the displeasure of the overseer, a coarse, heartless brute who whipped him most cruelly. Augustus ran away. Reaching a cane rick on Hawkins's plantation, he secreted himself in the top of it. All Carrie's dogs were put upon his track, some fifteen of them, and soon scented his footsteps in the hiding place. They surrounded the rick. Uh, bang and scratching, but could not reach him. Presently, guided by the clamor of the hounds, the pursuers rode up when the overseer, mounting on the rick, drew him forth. As he rolled down to the ground, the whole 
pack plunged upon him, and before they could be beaten off, they gnawed and mutilated his body in the most shocking manner, their teeth having penetrated to the bone in a in an hundred places. <sighs> okay. Brutality. Bad stuff. Slavery sucks. This makes me mad. Back to grammar. N hundred. No. H is neither silent, at least not in most American English dialects. It is in Cockney and hundred places. And I cannot do a Cockney accent, so do not judge me on that one. Well, feel free to judge me, because I judge me on that. It is horrible. Do not judge me as a human for my bad Cockney. Um, but for some reason, it is neither silent nor um, a vowel. And yet people say an when there's an H there. And it makes no sense. Like, anhistoric. No, that is awkward. That doesn't make sense. It's not anhistoric. It's ahistoric. It's a historic thing. It is a historic thing. An event. It is not anhistoric. It is not an hundred places. I've literally never seen it with hundred. I've almost only ever seen it with historic. An historic event. Okay, moving on. He was taken up, tied upon a mule, and carried home. But this was Augustus's last trouble. He lingered until the next day, when death sought the unhappy boy, and kindly relieved him from his agony. The poetry that he puts into some of his descriptions. Sometimes pleasant things, sometimes funny things, sometimes unpleasant things. Death sought the unhappy boy and kindly relieved him from his agony. It was not unusual for slave women as well as slave men to endeavor to escape. Nellie, Eldred's girl, with whom I lumbered for a time in the, quote, big cane break, lay concealed in Epps's corn crib three days. At night, when his family were asleep, she would steal into the quarters for food and return to the crib again. We concluded it would no longer be safe for us to allow her to remain, and accordingly she retraced her steps to her own cabin. But the most remarkable instance of a successful evasion of dogs and hunters was the following. What about your own? Among Carrie's girls uh, was one by the name of Celeste. She was 19 or 20 and far whiter than her owner um, or any of his offspring. It required a close inspection to distinguish in her features the slightest trace of African blood. A stranger would never have dreamed that she was the descendant of slaves. I was sitting in my cabin late at night playing a low air on my violin when the door opened carefully and Celeste stood before me. She was pale and haggard. Um, had an apparition arisen from the earth, I could not have been more startled. Who are you? I demanded after gazing at her a moment. I'm hungry. Give me some bacon. <laughs> Who are you? I'm hungry. Uh, was her reply. The Celeste is mentioned, and I am reminded of Celeste, the video game. Not that it's anything like it, except the name. But I guess the Let's Play thing has video games on my mind. Let's read. Uh, my first impression was that 
She was some deranged young mistress who, escaping from home, was wandering. Uh, she knew not whither, and had been attracted to my cabin by the sound of my violin, of the violin. The coarse cotton slave dress she wore, however, soon dispelled such a supposition. What is your name? I again interrogated. My name is Celeste. Uh, she answered, I belong to Carrie, and have been two days among the palmettos. I am sick and can't work, and would rather die in the swamp than be whipped to death by the overseer. Carrie's dogs won't follow me. They uh, have tried to set them on. There's a secret between them and Celeste, and they won't mind the devilish orders of the overseer. <laughs> Good. Uh, give me some meat. I'm starving. I divided my scanty allowance with her, and while partaking of it, she related how she had managed to escape and described the place of her concealment. In the edge of the swamp, not a not half a mile from Apps's house, was a large space, thousands of acres in extent. See, no idea how big that is. Thickly covered with palmetto. Tall trees, whose long arms interlocked each other, formed a canopy above them, so dense as to exclude the beams of the sun. It was like twilight always, even in the middle of the brightest day. In the center of this great space, which nothing but certain serpents very often explore, a somber and solitary spot. Celeste had erected a rude hut of dead branches that had fallen to the ground and covered it with the leaves of the palmetto. This was the abode she had selected. She had no fear of Carrie's dogs any more than I had of Epps's. As a fact, which I have never been able to explain, that there are those whose tracks the hounds will absolutely refuse to follow. Celeste was one of them. For several nights, she came to my cabin for food. On one occasion, our dogs barked as she approached, which aroused Epps and induced him to reconnoitre. I don't know. I guess it's probably what recon is short for. But it's not reconnaissance. That's the thing. I, like the, the word that reconnaissance came from. Uh, the root word. Not the root word. The, I don't know. The etymology. Um, he did not discover her. Discover her. But after that, it was not deemed prudent for her to come to the yard. When all was silent, I carried provisions to a certain... A spot agreed upon where she would find them in this manner celeste passed the greater part of the summer she regained her health and became strong and hardy at all seasons of the year the howlings of wild animals can be heard at night along the borders of the swamps several times they made her a midnight call awakening her from slumber with a growl terrified by such unpleasant salutations she finally concluded to abandon her lonely dwelling and accordingly returning to her master was scourged her neck meanwhile being fastened in the stocks and sent into the field again the year before my arrival in the country there was a concerted movement among a number of slaves on bayou Boeuf that uh, terminated tragically indeed here we go um it was i presume a matter of newspaper notoriety at the time but all the knowledge I have of it has been derived from the relation of those living at that period in the immediate vicinity of the excitement. It has become a subject of general and unfailing interest in every slave hut at the bayou, and will doubtless go down to succeeding generations as their chief tradition. Lou Cheney, 
It's Lou spelled L-E-W. Lou Cheney, with whom I became acquainted. A shrewd, cunning Negro, more intelligent than the generality of his race, but unscrupulous and full of treachery, conceived the project of organizing a company sufficiently strong to fight their way against all opposition to the neighboring territory of Mexico. A remote spot, far within the depths of the swamp, back of Hawkins' plantation, was selected as the rallying point. Uh, Lou fitted, or flitted from one plantation to another in the dead of night, uh, preaching a crusade to Mexico, and, like Peter the Hermit, uh, creating a fur. Uh, maybe it's Führer, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce that word. Um, not the German word Führer, like Hitler, uh, but a F-U-R-O-R, Führer, of excitement whenever he appeared. At length, a large number of runaways were assembled, stolen mules and corn gathered from the fields, and bacon uh, filched from smokehouses and been, or had been conveyed into the woods. The expedition was about ready to proceed when their hiding place was discovered. Lou Cheney, becoming convinced of the ultimate failure of his project, in order to curry favor with his master and avoid the consequences which he foresaw would follow, deliberately determined to sacrifice all his companions. Hmm. Departing secretly from the encampment, he proclaimed among the planters the number collected in the swamp, and instead of stating truly the object they had in view, asserted their intention was to emerge from their seclusion the first favorable opportunity and murder every white person along the bayou. Such an announcement, exaggerated as it passed from mouth to mouth, filled the whole country with terror. The fugitives were surrounded and taken prisoners, carried in chains to Alexandria, and hung by the populace. Not only those, but many who were suspected, uh, though entirely innocent, were taken from the field and from the cabin, and without the shadow of process or form of trial, hurried to the scaffold. The planters on Bayou Boeuf finally re uh, rebelled against such reckless destruction of property, but it was not until a regiment of soldiers had arrived at some fort, excuse me, some fort, on the Texan frontier, demolished the gallows, and opened the doors of the Alexandria prison that the indiscriminate slaughter was stayed. Lou Cheney escaped and was even rewarded for his treachery. Uh, he is still living, but his name is despised and ex execrated, maybe? They don't like him. By all his race, throughout the parish... The parish uh, throughout the parishes of uh, Rapidus and uh, Avielis, both of which I probably mispronounce. Such an idea as insurrection, however, is not new among the enslaved population of Bayou Boeuf. More than once I have joined in serious consultation when the subject has been discussed, and there have been times when a word from me would have placed hundreds of my fellow fellow bondsmen, it's fellow bondsmen but hyphenated, in an attitude of defiance. Without arms or ammunition, or even with them, I saw such a step would result in certain defeat, disaster, and death, and always raised my voice against it. During the Mexican War, I well remember the extravagant hopes that were excited. Um... The news of victory filled the great house with rejoicing, but produced only sorrow and disappointment in the cabin. In my opinion, I uh, I have had opportunity 
And in my opinion, and I have had opportunity to know something of the feeling of which I speak, there are not 50 slaves in the shores of Bayou Buff, but would hail with unmeasured delight the approach of an invading army. <laughs> they are deceived to flatter themselves that the ignorant and debased slave has no conception of the magnitude of his wrongs. They are deceived who are... Or, they are deceived who imagine that he arises from his knees with back lacerated and bleeding, cherishing only a spirit of meekness and forgiveness. A day may come, it will come, if his prayer is heard, a terrible day of vengeance when the master in his turn will cry in vain for mercy. If you like what I do, feel free to subscribe on your platform of choice. If you cannot subscribe on your platform of choice, you can reach out. Let me know. Um, you can uh, reach me at reading poorly on Twitter or reading comma poorly at gmail.com. That is spelled out R-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-M-M-A-P-O-O-R-L-Y at gmail.com. Um, write and review on iTunes or again, your platform of choice. And, um, I'm always looking for uh, suggestions for the next book. Uh, we are within a couple months of this one being done, uh, though there's going to be at least one special, maybe two uh, here before this one's done. Um, so, um, yeah, always looking for suggestions, constructive criticisms, just a shout out, anything, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening this long to me reading poorly. Let's read. Well, let's not, let's not read anymore. It's it's night time. It's night time. It it's time to be done. That's what I'm trying to say. I am done.